welcome in to another edition of Heavy Lifting with Ravi Lula. This Monday edition is going to be a movie Monday. We are coming off of the Oscars on Sunday night with the winners announced there. And so I kind of wanted to do my own, not awards, but I wanted to go through every movie I'd seen this year. It turns out there's been 11, which is about one a month. Um little less if you're paying attention. There's 12 months in a year. Um, so I wanted to go through every every new movie I've seen this year. So these are all only movies that have been released in 2019. I saw 11 new movies this year. There's a handful that I want to see that I haven't yet, and I'll get to those as well. But I kind of wanted to do my own just year in review and movies. So it's a movie Monday here on the Heavy Lifting Podcast. And wanted to go over my thoughts on... Some of the winners, because I'll be honest, there's certain movies and roles I just haven't seen, so I don't, I can't really have an informed opinion on. Um, but there are a few that I feel like weighing in on as well. So um, I'll go over a few of the Oscar winners, and then I kind of want to just go over the movies I saw this year, and because I think it'll be fun, and which ones I liked which ones I didn't like, and my favorite movie of the year as well. And uh, we're going to get to that all today, and however long it takes, that's how long the podcast is going to be. It's just me today, uh, hoping to have some more guests for you uh, coming up later in the week, trying to get Jake scheduled in for some podcasts, but he's he's been on the road a lot for basketball. So um, their season's ending in a few weeks here, so it should be... Should be able to get him a little bit more frequently uh, coming up here soon. So some of these movies that I saw this year, obviously I did podcasts on already. um, But, uh, so I won't spend as much time on those. But uh, I wanted to go over the ones I'd seen this year and go over some of the Oscar winners. I'll start with the Oscars um, because, well, they just happened. It's the most timely, relevant thing I can do. And uh, so I'm just going to go down the list here and discuss some of the things if I've got an opinion on it and if I don't then I'm just going to skip right over it uh so Joaquin Phoenix won for his performance in Joker um as Arthur Fleck this is one of the movies I saw this year so I'll comment on that um when I get to Joker as well but I don't have any issue with this I don't really have any issue with this win um the other nominees were Antonio Banderas in Pain and Glory Leonardo DiCaprio in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, um, Adam Driver in Marriage Story, and Jonathan Price in The Two Popes. The Two Popes is another one we'll get to here in a little bit, but if you go back and listen to my podcast with Kyle on The Joker back when this movie came out, you know I didn't like The Joker, but I've never had any issues with Joaquin Phoenix's performance in the movie. It's a phenomenal performance. It's disturbing. It's creepy. And that's part of the reason I didn't like the movie, because it's tough to watch, but there's no questioning the quality of the performance. So I have no issue there in terms of Joaquin Phoenix as your winner for uh, for the Joker. Uh, as far as uh, supporting actor, um, the winner was Brad Pitt for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. The other nominees were Tom Hanks in A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood, Anthony Hopkins in The Two Popes, Al Pacino in The Irishman, and Joe Pesci in The Irishman. I apparently this is the first time Brad Pitt's won for an acting role, which I think is kind of criminal because I think he's a great actor. And while I haven't seen Once Upon a Time in Hollywood yet, that is one I really do want to get to, especially because I just saw Inglorious Bastard for the first time a few weeks ago, and so I'm I'm very much on board with the Tarantino right now. So really want to see Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, but I have to carve out like three hours to do it. Um, so. During basketball season, it's not the best time for that since I have a lot of things going on. But uh, I do want to carve out some time uh, to watch Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, and I'm sure I'll get to that soon. Um, I do want to say I'm glad neither of the nominees in The Irishman won. Not because their performances were bad, but I... And this isn't their fault necessarily. I didn't think the CGI to like age or de-age them was that good. So that kind of bothered me and it kind of took away from the performances. But also that movie was just fine. And I'll get to that. That's one of the movies I saw this year. 
Um, obviously, that's one of the movies that I reviewed with Josh earlier in the year. So I'll get to that, but I'm glad neither of those won. Um, the one I will say, I thought Anthony Hopkins and the Two Popes was really, really good. Um, same thing with Jonathan Price as a, as a leading role he was nominated for. So um, I, I both I like both of their roles a lot, um, but I'm assuming Brad Pitt was just as good in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, and I, I don't have any issue with that. Um, Renee Zellweger won for Judy. I didn't see that or any of the other um, any of the other nominees for Best Actress. Uh, Laura Dern won for Best Supporting Actress in uh, Marriage Story, which most people thought she would. I haven't seen any of the other ones in Supporting Actress either, so we're just going to move right along. I Toy Story 4 won for Best Animated Feature, which I'm just going to be honest with you, I don't really watch that many animated movies. Although, I am starting to watch... Um, I am starting to watch Clone Wars in Star Wars, the Star Wars series. So maybe I'll loosen up my stance on animated movies a little bit if I turn out to like that. But only time will tell. Um, achievement in cinematography. So <laughs> a funny story about cinematography. My sister was a production assistant in L.A. for a while. And in order to sound fancy smancy when I was talking uh, talking to her about movies, I would always, cinematography was the only fancy movie word I, I knew, and so I just say, oh, the cinematography was incredible, no matter what the movie was or what we were talking about, um, so that was a little fun joke about cinematography, but uh, the winner was 1917, I've heard it's beautifully shot, um, I haven't seen it yet, also nominated were The Irishman, Joker, The Lighthouse, and Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, so I have seen a couple of those. I have not seen The Lighthouse, and I'm not going to. I've heard it's one of the hardest movies to watch just ever. It's just a couple of guys basically going crazy in a lighthouse. Um, so that that doesn't seem fun for me, so I'm going to skip that one. Um, costume Design, Little Women was your winner. Also nominated, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, Joker, Jojo Rabbit, The Irishman. No thoughts on that. Uh, best Director, uh, I hope I'm saying this right, Bong Joon-ho in Parasite. I haven't seen Parasite. I don't know if I will. It sounds kind of creepy, but I'll, I'll think about it. Um, I was kind of bummed in this. I was glad Martin Scorsese didn't win for The Irishman, again, just because I thought The Irishman was just an okay movie. It, listen, it was worth watching. I'm glad I watched it. It's really, really long, and I think that has something to do with Scorsese's direction and not really having any um, boundaries put on him, but I also just think it's, I really love the mob movie genre, and it's like a middle-of-the-pack entry into that genre for me, so I don't have an issue with that not really winning anything. Uh, I'm glad Todd Phillips didn't win for The Joker, because, uh, he, honest, frankly, he just seems like a giant douche. Um, all his comments about it, um, and comments kind of leading up to it where he's like, well, I just can't be funny anymore, so I made the Joker instead. And I just don't like him, and so I'm glad he didn't win. I'm a little surprised Sam Mendes didn't win for 1917. Um, I was rooting for Tarantino to win for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Even though I haven't seen that movie, he hasn't won, if I'm not mistaken, he hasn't won a an Academy Award yet for directing a movie. And that seems kind of criminal. And, I mean, I just, I have a really hard time. Again, I haven't seen Once Upon a Time in Hollywood yet. I've heard it's incredible. And I just have a really hard time thinking that Quentin Tarantino is going to never win a Best Director Oscar and I have I have a hard time with that um so that again I have nothing against Bong Joon-ho I haven't seen Parasite I haven't seen Once Upon a Time in Hollywood but I would really I would really like to see Quentin Tarantino win I'd really like to see him win a um win a Best Director nod at some point. He was nominated for Pulp Fiction and Glorious Bastards and Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. He hasn't won any of those. 
He's won Best Original Screenplay twice. He's only been nominated for Best Picture once, I believe. Was Pulp, Pic- was Pulp Fiction not nominated? That's shocking to me. Um, but yeah, so I'd like to see, I'd like to see Quentin Tarantino honored in, uh, for that one at some point. So, um, you know, hopefully, I mean, it doesn't affect me at all, but (laughs) it doesn't affect me at all, whether it wins or not, it would just be, uh, it would just be nice to see, to see it, uh, to see Quentin Tarantino get that at some point. So, um, no, it looks like it was, yeah, it was nominated for Best Picture. I don't know why it wasn't showing up for me on that one. But anyway, uh, so yeah, would like to see, I would like to see Quentin Tarantino win one at some point. But other than that, I don't have an issue with any of that. I haven't seen any of the documentary features this year, so I'm going to skip right over there. Um, achievement in film editing nominees. Um, again, you had the Irishman, the Joker, um, Ford versus Ferrari was your winner. And I don't have an issue with that. I haven't seen Ford versus Ferrari. I really want to, um, but I haven't seen it yet. Best international film. It was Parasite cause it also won best picture. So it's probably also the best international film. I haven't seen any of those. So, you know, um, Hair and makeup, bombshell was the winner, which that's that um, Fox News, like the the women of Fox News movie. I didn't see it, um, but apparently it won best makeup. Uh, achievement in written music, the Joker won for that one. Best original song was from Rocket Man. Best picture nominee, as I said earlier, was Parasite. Um, nominated was Ford versus Ferrari. I haven't seen it, but I've heard it was awesome. I'm glad the Irishman didn't win. I'm glad the Joker didn't win. Um, I would have been okay with basically anything else. Um, production design, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood won. Animated short films, didn't see any of those. Live action short films, didn't see any of those. Sound editing, Ford versus Ferrari won. Uh, sound mixing, 1917 won. I don't know what the difference is between those two things, but apparently they are different. Um, Achievement and visual effects nominees, 1917 won. Now, I have a little bit of an issue here because both Avengers Endgame and Star Wars Rise of Skywalker were nominated in this as well. And I just have a hard time believing that a World War I piece is going to have better effects than Star Wars or Avengers Endgame. But again, I haven't seen 1917, so who knows. Um, best adapted screenplay, uh, Irishman was nominated, Joker was nominated, Little Women was nominated, Two Popes was nominated, uh, Jojo Rabbit won, screenplay was by Taika Waititi, which I haven't seen that movie, but Taika Waititi directed, uh, one of the episodes of The Mandalorian, so, um, I'm here for that, I would have been okay with the Two Popes winning as well, because I thought that movie was really great, um, best original screenplay, Parasite won, uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood was nominated. Um, again, I, I haven't seen any of those. So that is your Oscar rundown. I know it was a lot of I haven't seen any of those movies, but I did want to, you know, it's a movie Monday. The Oscars were uh, were yesterday. I just wanted to, uh, you know, wanted to go over them. So now I want to go over the movies that I watched this year, which, again, there's 11 of them, and I... There's, I kind of ran the gamut this year of, of all the different like types of movies I saw. I saw everything from Zombieland to The Irishman to The Joker to Star Wars, Hobbs and Shaw. I mean, so just a ton of them. So I'll go through them. And in no particular order, and then I'll give you my favorite movie that I saw this year at the end. So... Uh, one of them I saw was Glass, and if you're not familiar with this one, um, I'm just going to do brief summaries. It is the third movie in the M. Night Shyamalan, um, David Dunn, I guess, trilogy, 
where David Dunn is a, a superhuman. It's got Samuel L. Jackson at, in it as um, Elijah, and he's, you know, they call him Mr. Glass. And then you've got um, Kevin Wendell Crumb, who is uh, played by, where did his name go? James McAvoy, sorry. And I really liked Unbreakable. Uh, Split was very good. I thought this movie was just okay. Um, The performance by McAvoy was incredible. And it's it was a good movie, but it just left me wanting just a little bit more. It just didn't quite deliver on what I was hoping it would be. Basically, um, the premise is... This psychologist is holding um, David Dunn and and Kevin Crumb and, and uh, Elijah Price in a facility, trying to convince them that this is all part of their imagination, that it's delusions of grandeur, and they don't actually have superpowers. Um, so the premise was actually really interesting, and then so obviously there's going to be a lot of spoilers, not just for Glass, but for all these. So spoilers. Um, Basically, what we find out is actually happening is um, this psychologist uh, who is trying to convince them they don't have superpowers actually belongs to the secret society who is kind of in charge of controlling or making sure they keep the peace behind these people that have superpowers. They're aware they have superpowers, and they just have to... Basically, it's their job to keep them under wraps and contained. So um, they their theory was the best way to do that was to convince them that they weren't, they didn't have, basically it was psychological warfare on these people that had superpowers. Um, so it was a very interesting premise. Uh, I just didn't think it quite delivered the, the way I was hoping it would. Um, so that was Glass. Not my favorite movie of the year, but it wasn't bad, just not uh, as good as I was hoping. Um, I'll hop to, let's go fighting with my family, uh, which <laughs> is kind of a silly movie, but I enjoyed it. It's the story of, um, this family in England who, um, basically they, they have this like local, very small time kind of wrestling gig that they do and they kind of run a wrestling school um, and they're, you know, struggling with money and their son, Zach is trying to make it big. And the daughter Soraya is trying to make it big. And so they go to these tryouts and stuff. And basically that's the story of the movie. Everybody thinks the brother Zach is going to make it, but it turns out the, the sister Soraya actually makes it um, into this tryout. And then they, go and um she goes off to this like training camp to see if she'll actually make it in the um wwe she changes her stage name to um page and then basically ends up making it big in the wwe and is a big superstar and everything like that and uh yeah it was listen it was not an incredible movie. It's not going to win any awards or anything like that, but it was fun to watch. It was kind of a, you know, uplifting, heartwarming story about, you know, following your dreams and all that fun stuff. So overall enjoyable. It's probably a good, like, cable movie. Um, I paid to see it in theaters because The Rock was in it, and I love The Rock. That theme is going to come up again. <laughs> um, but I'm, I'm glad I saw it. I, th- I thought it was pretty good. Uh, let's go to Spider-Man Far From Home. So this came out after Avengers Endgame, which we're going to get to later. And to be clear, I like Tom Holland as Spider-Man a lot. I like him a lot more in the Avengers movies um, as Spider-Man. But uh, basically, you've got this... Um, you've got Spider-Man, Peter Parker, whatever, on a class trip to Europe, and you have 
this, um, well, he's posing as a good guy and turns out to be a bad guy played by, um, played by Jake Gyllenhaal. And basically, I think it was his name, Mysterio. Yeah, his name is Mysterio. Um, he's, is, he goes by the name Beck and he claims to be from a different universe that, or multiverse that they're dealing with this phenomenon that is basically going to destroy their universe. And Beck knows how to fight it because he already saw it. And but really, Beck is creating all of these, um, is creating the whole thing. It's just an illusion. Um, well, it's not all an illusion because he's actually blowing stuff up, but it's not. Um, it's not actually some other worldly thing that is trying to destroy the universe. Um, and eventually they figure this out. Peter, you know, Peter Parker, Spider-Man figures it out. They beat him. Um, it was just an okay movie. I, it was coming off of Avengers Endgame only a couple months after that. So that probably didn't help its cause in terms of how much I enjoyed it, but probably like, a in terms of Marvel movies, probably like pretty middle tier for me. Um, I would put it somewhere in the neighborhood of like, oh, I don't know, like Iron Man 3 or um, yeah, like Iron Man 3 is probably about what I would compare it to in terms of my enjoyment of it. It's a fine movie. I didn't dislike it, but it's not something I'll probably go out of my way to see again. Um, next up, let's do The Lion King. Now, I'm just going to be honest with you. I didn't really enjoy this movie. And a couple reasons. Number one, and I know this is blasphemy. I wasn't feeling... I wasn't feeling... Uh, Beyonce as Nala. It just wasn't working for me. I'm not going to give you a plot summary for this movie because if you don't know the plot summary of Lion King, you've got other problems, okay? I just, it wasn't working for me. I liked liked Donald Glover as Simba. Um, I really liked Billy Eichner as, I think, is he Timon? I think he's Timon. Um, I thought Seth Rogen was really good as Pumbaa. Obviously, James Earl Jones, always a legend. I was cool with that. I just, I wasn't feeling Beyonce as Nala. It just didn't work for me, and it kind of messed up the whole movie. Um, Also, I just like the original one better. It's almost an identical movie in terms of, like, it's the same movie. It's the same plot. It's not quite shot for shot, but pretty close. And it's... I'm not against these I'm not against these Disney live action remakes of the movies, but this isn't a live action remake. It's just a differently animated version of The Lion King, which is weird, right? You do the Beauty you did Beauty and the Beast and it's mostly live action. You've got obviously got some animation with the beast in there, but this is all CG still. <laughs> I mean, I get the other one was like hand drawn for the most part, but I just, I couldn't, I couldn't shake the fact that it's like, okay, so I just went from watching one animated version of The Lion King to a different animated version of The Lion King. Like, it just didn't work for me. Um, that, and between that and Beyonce, I was kind of out on The Lion King. Um, let's go to The Joker. Um, I won't spend too long on this because, obviously, I already did a podcast with this, um, on this with... Kyle, um, go back and listen to it if you want like a real deep, if you want like a real deep dive, basically it follows the, um, the life of, uh, the mentally ill Arthur Fleck, who is trying to be a, a stand-up comedian and is working as a party clown, um, who lives with his mother who may also be mentally ill. Um, it's a little unclear, but, 
Um, so it's Livy. He's living in Gotham in 1981. And it's... Listen, like I said in the original podcast that I did with Kyle and earlier while I was going over the best actor stuff with Joaquin Phoenix, it's an incredible performance by Joaquin Phoenix. And it's a very well-made movie. I mean, you really feel kind of the grittiness, the the griminess, the you feel the poverty of Gotham, you feel the desperation of Arthur Fleck, you feel all of that. And I that's very well done. But this movie is not enjoyable to watch in any way whatsoever. You have to suffer through it. And it's just, I'll never watch it again. It's very well made. It's very well acted. And it's just a really tough hang. And I don't know how much, I don't know how much more I can really say about it. It just wasn't a, it just wasn't a fun movie to watch. And on some level, I have to enjoy watching a movie um, if I'm going to watch it more than once or if I'm going to say it's a good movie. And I, I just can't say that. So very well made, very well acted. I did not like the Joker. I still don't like the Joker. You haven't changed my mind. <laughs> um, going on the exact, not the exact other side of the coin, but pretty far in the other direction. Uh, Zombieland Double Tap. This movie was fine. It was a... I'm not a big fan of comedy sequels. I don't think they go very well. I think they're usually just less good... Best case scenario, they're a less good version of the first one. Worst case scenario, they're an unmitigated disaster like Anchorman 2 that is just an unwatchable heap. And... Double Tap is probably closer to the the former rather than the latter. It's just a less good, less funny version of the first one. Um, it's probably like Neighbors 2 in that way. Neighbors 2, not an awful movie, um, but it's nowhere near as funny as the original. Um, there's some moments where you'll be, you know, you'll have a pretty good laugh and you'll probably find yourself enjoying that, uh, the movie at points, but again, probably not something I'll go out of my way to watch again and really don't have much else to, to add to it. Um, let's hop over to some of your popcorn flicks. Okay. Let's start with Hobbs and Shaw. Um, this is a popcorn flick in the truest sense of the in the truest sense of the word and i apologize for the noise in the background the cat's going crazy because that's what cats do um but basically hobbs and shaw is it unites uh luke hobbs uh which is played by the rock and deckard shaw played by jason statham and their enemies but they unite over um this the search for this super virus um, play and, and the guy that is um, trying to basically capture this super virus um, played by uh, Idris Elba. I don't remember his name, frankly, but um, listen, there's a couple things here that are, I'm just going to be in on number one obviously Dwayne the Rock Johnson. I'm here for it. You had me at the rock. I'm going to see that movie. Um, number two, they have some scenes set at Chernobyl, the evil company that's trying to get the super virus. Their headquarters are in like the, like rubble of Chernobyl. And listen, I love Chernobyl. One of the best things I watched this year was the miniseries on HBO with Chernobyl. I've always been fascinated by Chernobyl. That miniseries just took it to a whole new level. was incredible. If you haven't seen the miniseries for Chernobyl, definitely watch that. It's incredible. Um, so, so good. I can't, I can't overstate that. Um, but if you put Chernobyl in a movie, there's a pretty good chance I'm going to like it. Um, 
And then, last but not least, you have Samoans, who I just have this, I, I love Samoa and Samoans, partially because of the rock, partially because of the awesome tattoos, and a lot because there's so many just like, they have this reputation of just being like giant dudes. Um, a lot of them are super jacked, like the rocks of them are just big dudes. Um, it's, I don't know. It's always, I've, I've always, <laughs> I used to tell people that I wish I was Samoan. And a lot of people ask me what my ethnicity is. Cause I'm kind of ambiguously Brown. And for a while I would lie to people. Actually, I still do. Cause I think it's funny. Um, cause <laughs> it sounds mean, but white people have this gall to just come up to you and ask, what are you in this way that they act like it's not a weird question. But if you go up to a white person and ask, what are you, they have no idea what you're talking about and will probably get offended. But Brown people, if you ask, what are you, we know what you mean. It's just kind of a crappy thing to ask. Um, I get that sometimes you're just curious, but like, come on. So if you ask, I, there's like a 50, 50 chance. I'm just going to lie to you. Uh, but one of my go-tos for a while was I would tell people I was half Samoan because I couldn't pull off being full Samoan because I'm not big enough. I'm only like 5'9". Um, so I would tell people I'm half Samoan. And I still do that sometimes because I really wish I was. But not that I don't love being half whatever I am. I'm not going to tell you because then if I lie to you later, you're going to know. Uh, but uh, a lot of times I'll go with half Samoan. And maybe I am. You don't know. If you haven't seen me with my shirt off, you don't know if I have the tribal tattoos or not. I might. Uh, but I don't. But So if you put Dwayne The Rock Johnson, Chernobyl, and Samoan, Samoans slash Samoan culture into a movie, you've got me. All right? I'm in. And Hobbs and Shaw do exactly that. And listen, it's a very fun, watchable popcorn movie. Again, not going to win any awards, but if it's on TV or, you know, you're looking for something to stream for four bucks to on a Friday night when you're just having a, some popcorn and whatever, I would recommend it. All right. You don't, and you absolutely don't need to have watched any of the other movies to know what's going on. It's yeah, it's just one of those. It's a popcorn movie. It's awesome. I love it. Um, moving on to more popcorn movies. Um, actually let's do the Irishman real quick and then we'll get to the other, the other big blockbusters. Um, the Irishman again, it's a, story about well it's basically this guy named Frank Sheeran who is telling his it's telling the story of being a mobster through the eyes of a foot soldier rather than through the eyes of a boss which is the most interesting part about the movie it's just a different perspective on the whole mob scene um, it focuses on a lot on the assassination of Jimmy Hoffa and stuff like that um, kind of throughout the it kind of takes this long winding road through from like all the way from like the 50s through the 80s and listen it's interesting it's um it's pretty watchable i think it would have been way better as like a six to eight episode netflix series like a limited run series or an hbo series much like the chernobyl series was i think they would have been way better off doing something like that um, just kind of breaking it up a little bit would have been, I think a lot more interesting, but it's Martin Scorsese or Scorsese. He was allowed to do whatever he wanted. And, um, I think this movie is just slightly worse for it. If there'd been a little more structure and a little more, yeah, if they just breaking it up into like four to eight Netflix series episodes, I would have, I think I would have loved it, but, um, and then part of the other issue with The Irishman is part of the lure of mob, of mob movies is the even when they get gunned down and killed, you kind of imagine yourself feeling what it would be like to be the boss, right? And it's this world that most of us can't ever imagine. And it's that's part of the fun of it, right? Whereas a lot of us, listen... We don't quote unquote paint houses for livings for a living. And if you don't get that reference, then I don't know, look it up, watch the movie, something. 
Um, so the circumstances are a little bit different, but a lot of us can understand being, you know, a lower guy on the totem pole and kind of just doing what we're told and, and executing, not literally, but executing orders that were given by our higher ups. And even if we don't agree with them and listen, a lot of us can identify with that. It just, I get that it's a less glorifying look at the mob, which is probably a good thing, but it's also a less fun movie for it. So that's the Irishman. If you haven't seen it, it's probably worth watching. I'd give yourself maybe a couple days to get through it in installments because it is a really, really long movie, but um, probably not one you're you're watching more than once. Um, all right, let's do Avengers Endgame. I I loved this movie, and that's saying something because I was really, really expecting. I, my expectations were, and maybe this is a good thing. My expectations were pretty low because I did not love Infinity War, and here's the reason why. Infinity War was, to me, as soon as you saw all these people die that you know have to come back, it really cheapened the end of that movie for me. Now, listen, there's some of it that's just heart-wrenching, like um, when Spider-Man is is dying in the arms of of Tony Stark. Like, yes, that still gets you on an emotional level and stuff like that, but it felt like the stakes were very low because you knew all, if not most of these people were coming back. And so I really didn't love infinity war and was really prepared not to love Avengers Endgame because of it. I, it was the complete opposite. I loved this movie. It was incredible. Um, wrapped up the man. It wrapped up the, the whole first phase, or I don't know what phase they're on, but this phase of the Marvel Cinematic Universe in just the most satisfying way. I loved it. I can't even... I'm not going to go into the plot because there's a lot that happens. And if you haven't seen it, I don't know what to tell you. But it's an incredibly satisfying movie. Um, I love that they finally found a sweet spot for the Hulk um, with Smart Hulk. I loved that. Um, I thought the stuff with Fat Thor was really um compelling and fun and but still kind of like meaningful um i just thought they i thought it was i did i couldn't imagine a world in where they in which they made me feel better about infinity war and they crushed it that's not only was this movie good but it made infinity war uh, infinity war good to me as well and it was incredible um yeah, it's a three-hour movie too, but while The Irishman very much feels like three hours, Endgame really does not feel like three hours. I really enjoyed it. Um, I saw it a couple times at least in theaters. Really, really good movie. I've watched it again since it came on streaming. Um, I'm a big fan. Can't recommend it highly enough if you haven't seen it. You probably do need to watch at least most of the other movies in order to know what's going on. At the very least... All the Avenger, all the Avengers movies, and, and by that mean, I mean the ones that they're all in, basically. Um, some of the standalones you can probably get away with skipping. I've missed a few of them, like Guardians of the Galaxy 2 and, and the Ant-Mans. Um, but you probably need to see most of them to understand what's going on in this movie. So this might be a longer, <laughs> this might be a longer investment than three hours. Um, but it's an incredibly well done universe from the start at Iron Man all the way through um, through the end in Avengers Endgame. Listen, there's some misses in there. The first couple Thor movies are bad, although Ragnarok, the third Thor movie, is might be my favorite one in the entire like universe. Um, again, like I mentioned before, there's a couple of the uh, like Iron Man 3, not awesome, but it's worth your time. Doctor Strange is a great movie. I love that movie. Um, so, Go if you haven't seen all those. That's your summer, like that's your, <laughs> that's your uh, that's your homework for the summer uh, coming up here is to just knock out uh, the Marvel Cinematic Universe. So big thumbs up on on Avengers Endgame. Uh, next up, the Rise of Skywalker. Now, 
I know this is an incredibly controversial movie. And to the people that don't like it, I'm sorry you're wrong, okay? It's a good movie. I've I've tried, okay? I listened to a two-and-a-half-hour podcast. Shout out to Binge Mode on The Ringer. I listened to a two-and-a-half-hour podcast of people telling me why they didn't like the movie, and I still don't understand why people don't like this movie, okay? I love this movie. The I thought it wrapped up the series in an incredibly satisfying way. I understand people that a lot happened. Um, and listen, it, it was probably, it was, it was pretty packed tight. Um, I was okay with it. Listen, it, it was almost two and a half hours. Probably could have been a three hour movie like Endgame. It would have been paced a little bit um, more satisfactory to a lot of the people, but that's not what most people had an issue with. They had an f- issue with like the fan service and, Basically, people that love The Last Jedi hate Rise of Skywalker and vice versa. I'm a little different in that I like almost everything Star Wars, okay? I just love being in the universe and hanging out with people that I love. And I just, I like being in the Star Wars universe and watching Star Wars movies. I do. Uh, Even, like, even Revenge of the Sith, I really enjoy. I don't think Attack of the Clones is nearly as bad as some people do. Like, there's bad parts of it, right? But I can find stuff to enjoy. Phantom Menace, I won't rewatch. I'm sorry. Like, I did for the podcast earlier, but I'm just, I, I'm not going to rewatch that by choice for the most part. Although, even then, like, if I come in, if it's on, like, TNT, which it is a lot, and I come in and it's the Darth Maul, Qui-Gon Jinn, Obi-Wan Kenobi scene, I'm probably watching it, you know? Um, I like Solo a lot more than most people. And listen, while Last Jedi was not my favorite movie by any means... There's a ton of stuff in there that I like. I really like the stuff between Rey and Kylo Ren. I really like the stuff between Kylo and Luke. And I really like the stuff between Rey and Luke. And all that stuff I feel like pays off uh, in in Rise of Skywalker as well. And so, listen, I loved this movie. I thought it was I thought it was extremely satisfying. And you know how I know I'm right. There's a man that I've known almost my entire life named Daniel Haynes, who is the biggest Star Wars fan I know, has consumed more Star Wars than anyone on the planet, and he said it was a great movie. So, he's the final word on this. It's not even my opinion. It's the opinion of the great Daniel Haynes, who knows more about Star Wars than any human being I've ever met. He says it's a great movie. It's a great movie. That's all I have to say about that. Um... Last but not least, this is the most recent movie I've watched. watched. There might be a little recency bias bias here. But uh, The Two Popes, which is primarily on Netflix. It did have a a limited release, so it could be eligible for awards and stuff like that. It's about a two-hour movie. But it's basically about the change of power from um, Joseph Ratzinger, who was a German cardinal who became Pope Benedict XVI, to um, Jorge Bergoglio, who ends up being um, Pope Francis, so who is our current pope. And it talks about the um, Vatican leak scandal, which kind of precipitates the resignation of Pope Benedict, which while not unprecedented, is is extremely rare in terms of, of abdicating the papacy. What I really liked about this movie was just the fact that, well, a couple things. In, and I'm about to get, you know, a little, I guess, I don't know, political, religious, whatever on you. In a, in a time in which most of us, experience people's opinions coming at us and never really most of us experience a world in which people have their opinions and they're so far entrenched in their opinions that the idea of someone else's opinions are not just wrong but offensive to us and the idea of even considering someone else's opinions might be valid even if we disagree with them is 
next to blasphemy. And that's kind of the kind of the scenario we see play out here between Pope Benedict and at the time uh, Jorge Bergoglio and who later again becomes Pope Francis, where they're polar opposites in the way that they interpret the Bible and what God wants from his his believers. And I want to go more into at some point, which may not be a popular subject for a lot of you, but the way people interpret the Bible um, and the different ways people interpret the Bible and maybe the different ways that it can be interpreted that it's not often interpreted. And that was one of the really interesting things to me that was touched on here was um, Cardinal Bergoglio, again, later Pope Francis, has this a lot more, I'm going to use the word liberal here. It has a, he has a lot more progressive interpretation of the Bible than um, Pope Benedict, who is very conservative and more traditional in his interpretation. The part that I really, really loved about this was they have these discussions about, uh, Pope Benedict has these discussions with Cardinal Bergoglio about his differences and why he disagrees with him and why he thinks he's wrong. But in this time, while having these discussions and while disagreeing still, they never really agree on anything. Even to this day, Pope Benedict doesn't really agree with a lot of the things Pope Francis believes, but you see a friendship forming because of the conversation because of the fact that they can respect one another and even love one another and become, you know, friends, I guess. It, the, the movie portrays them as being friends. There's some there's some question as to how, how much truth there is to that part of the, of the movie. But at the very least, a mutual respect for one another on basically diametric opposite sides of of this issue of, of the issue of how to interpret the Bible and what God wants from us. But in the fact that they're talking about it, rather than hatred and animosity, they build respect and love for one another because they appreciate if they appreciate the other person's point of view and how much thought they've put into it, even if they don't agree with their conclusion. And that's something we just don't see today. And this happened in like 2012, 2013, um, the events of this movie, for the most part, that's not that long ago. And we've fallen so... And, and I would argue that it was rare for it to happen then. And we've fallen so far away from that just as a culture and society where we can't see the validity of the person through their opinions. And listen, there's some things that I think that's fair on, but most of the things, whether it's politics or religion, especially in this case where you're the same religion, but you disagree on interpretations of specifics, I think it's really, re I thought it was really refreshing to see two men who held the highest religious office in the land who played this out really in, you know, in front of our eyes. It wasn't at the time. It was, it was mostly in private at the time, but play out this respect and, and this this journey that they take together that it doesn't, I thought the best part was it didn't land with them agreeing. It just landed them in a place of mutual respect. And that's, sometimes that's all you need, um, but you have to be willing to go there. You have to be willing to see the other person as a person. And I don't think we do that very often. Um, the other thing that I really liked about this movie was it started to articulate the most of the time when people hear about Christianity or Catholicism and, and Pope Francis has changed this to a certain extent, and I'm not Catholic, so just keep that in mind. I do. My wife is Catholic. I have um, this fascination with Jesuits, so um, uh, that's a different thing, but I'm not personally Catholic. But most of the time when Christianity, Christianity in any denomination is depicted, it's done so in a very... It's done so as being seen as a very condemning, a very harsh, a very unforgiving, 
and sometimes downright cruel religion. And what I really appreciated about this movie, besides what I already discussed, was the views of of Cardinal Bergoglio and, and later Pope Francis, the same guy, show in media for one of the first times, at least that I'm aware of, a view of Christianity and the church as something else, that it can be something else, and maybe that even it should be something else, um, something more progressive, something more forgiving, um, and something that if portrayed that way, because in my case, I genuinely believe it is that way, is something that a lot of people could use in their lives. And so I was really just thankful that there was a portrayal of that in media that is not often seen and that could be helpful to other people who maybe have never seen the church or Christianity in that light. Um, So that's the two popes. And frankly, as much as I love Star Wars, as much as I love the other movies that I saw this year, the two popes uh, is my favorite movie that I saw um, in 2019. Really excellent performances by Anthony Hopkins and Jonathan Price um, in that one as well. So my favorite movie of the year was The Two Popes, which is a bit of an upset if you've heard me talk about how much I love The Rise of Skywalker at all. Um, That is all I have for you here today. Uh, We'll be back on Friday with another edition of Heavy Lifting with Ravi Lula. You can find me on Facebook, Heavy Lifting with Ravi Lula, on Instagram or Twitter, at R.A. Lula. You can all, and please subscribe, rate, and review uh, the podcast on your podcast platform of choice. And until Friday, I hope you have a great week.